I'm going to open up with the scripture from the book of St. John, chapter 16 and verse 33. John 16, verse 33. I read it from the ESV and they're going to take us into another version. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. So my title, as you may have seen, is Free Fall into the arms, into God's arms, he catches you. He catches you. Free fall into his arms. He catches you. I'm going to read that same scripture, John 16, 33, but from the Amplified Bible. I like it. Lots of people don't, but I like it because it expands the meanings and I love the extra words that can help me to understand the scriptures a little bit better. And so it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. Can you imagine what life is like with perfect peace and confidence? In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. He's deprived the world of power to harm you. And you may be thinking now, well, that doesn't make sense. I go through this, I go through that. I've been harmed, I've felt harmed. But journey with me this evening and let's understand a little more what's being said. Now, the book of John, and I like to look at my ESV notes. It's a brilliant Bible where it's got some extensive notes on what the books mean, what they're about, what the context is, and some really helpful notes. And from there, I take much of, of what I will share in, in the sense of the context of the book of John. This gospel has an emphasis on Jesus as Son of God. Now, the other Gospels have an emphasis as Jesus as the Son of Man. He's also the Son of God, but that's more their emphasis, the Son of Man. Whereas John emphasizes his deity, that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus, in this context, he's talking to his disciples, the, the, the ones who have walked with him. They're going to really be the ones who form the nucleus of his new covenant. He's leaving the earth and he wants to say some things to them before he goes. So this is part of his last words to those disciples that were with him, that were close to him. He wants them to understand some things that he has maybe not explained before. And I was thinking about the fact that as he was speaking to them, he already knew their future. He knew what they would carry, what they would do, what they would become. He knew how they would die for him, how their lives in turn would be laid down because they believed in him. And as he shares with them these final talks before his 
crucifixion. He wants to encourage them in how to stand when he's no longer with them. So he's strengthening the believers. He's encouraging them that they're going to have to also bring others into the kingdom. But he's encouraging and strengthening right now the believers. So before I delve back into my key verse, I want to jump to one or two scriptures that bring some points together. Chapter 16 interestingly begins in verse 1 by saying, I have told you all these things so that you should not be offended, you should not be taken unawares and falter or be caused to stumble and fall away. So remember I'm reading from the Amplified, it says it a little bit wider. I've told you these things so that you should not be offended, so that you should not be caused to stumble and fall away. Jesus wants to keep these disciples from falling away. And so fall has a negative meaning. They were moving in the wrong direction. So why would I call my title free fall? But they're moving in the wrong direction and Jesus is encouraging the disciples to not let the trials of the world cause them to give up and be distracted. So we go into verse 7 of this same chapter. As Jesus further reveals his plans for the disciples. So verse 7 of chapter 16 says, However, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say It is profitable, it is good, advantageous for you that I leave you, that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counsellor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby, will not come to you, will not come into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you, to be in close fellowship with you. Jesus is making a promise to his disciples And if any of you were listening very carefully to our senior minister this morning, he was speaking about the Holy Spirit and he actually used this scripture. And he talks so much about the need that we have for the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus was saying to his disciples, I'm not going to leave you alone when I leave you. I'm leaving you with strength. I'm leaving you with help. I'm going to be with you. So we establish that help is at hand via the promised Holy Spirit for his disciples. So this scripture back in 16, John 16, 33, it says, so in the world, Jesus said, you have tribulation and trials. You have that in the world. There's no promise of a rose garden out there for them. He wasn't saying to the disciples, now, that you believe in me, everything's going to be perfect and wonderful. You're going to enjoy life and sail through it. He didn't promise that. He told them that while they're in the world, there will be tribulations and trials and distress and frustration. Why? They were to go through not just ordinary things that take place in life due to a fallen world, we're all victims, are we not, in a way, or victims is the wrong word, but we, we, we are touched by a fallen world, a world that is without Christ, a world that denied him, did not understand God the creator. 
And so here's that word again, a fallen world. Fallen, it has no good tone about it, does it? Yet I'm asking us to free fall into God's arms. But they were not just to go through the ordinary things that take place in life, more so for these disciples, due to their belief in Christ, difficulties were promised to them because they believed. Now, over in the book of John, chapter 17, Jesus is praying to the Father a final prayer, as it were, for his disciples before he sacrifices himself on the cross. And in verse 14 of chapter 17, it reads, I think I'm reading this from the ESV. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So due to their belief, Jesus is praying to the Father that they're already hated by the world because they're not of the world. Jesus is not of the world. We too, in our daily lives, must realise that difficulties are still with us in the world. We live in it, we interact with it, we're subject to many things in it, whether we want to or not. Earthquakes are taking place, holidays are being ruined. We're subject to the fallen world and the things that happen in a fallen world. So they're still with us in this world. Now, Jesus makes a very important statement in also chapter 18 of St. John and verse 36, when he is before Pilate and Pilate asks if he is the king of the Jews. My kingdom, Jesus says, is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Jesus had been walking in the world while he was on earth, but never was he subject to the world's ways, its principles, etc., as he walked in the earth. He was in command. He was in authority. So the disciples, they would have trouble in the world, but Jesus is establishing with them before he goes that they must be of good courage for they belong to a different world, a different kingdom. How can you be in something and belong somewhere else? How do you know what you should live by? How do you choose which kingdom to obey? Jesus shows his disciples how to do this. So they're in a different kingdom. As he says, be of good cheer, take courage, be confident. Not because they would experience the things of the world and the suffering, but be confident because Jesus said he has already overcome the world that they were living in. I have deprived it of power to harm you and I have conquered it for you. I have overcome the world. But how would that translate to them? Why should they take courage? Why should they be confident? the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. I hope you're keeping up with me. I'm going 
back and forth over some scriptures. But verse 15 says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus promises his disciples protection as he prays to the Father. I didn't say remove them from the world, they're in it. And they've got to be in it for a while. But I'm asking you to protect them. I'm sending a promise of protection over their lives so that they are kept from the evil one. They needed to trust in the protecting power of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. Jesus was trying to teach them there's a power greater than what you see on earth, greater than the troubles that you will face, that you have already faced for believing in me and loving me and following me. But there's a greater power which stands against what you are about to face. Jesus promises them that because he has overcome the world, this is the kingdom they now belong to. They're in a different kingdom already. Let me just pause there. Sometimes you go about your daily life and I don't know if, I wouldn't say we forget who we are, but I was doing something quite um, ordinary. Um, a few weeks ago, I went to a new hairdresser I'd never been to before. And I'm excited that I'm getting my hair done and I might look um, a bit okay <laughs> after weeks and weeks of scruffy hair. And um, I go in there with the full intent to be pampered, have my hair done and get out. And the hairdresser begins to talk to me. It's just she and I there. And she asks me questions about who I am, what I do. And she becomes quite intrigued. But she asks me a question which is very difficult to answer in this day and age as a Christian. Because she's asking my opinion about some of the things that are changing in our world. Some of the woke agenda type of things and some of the things that she knows that the Bible speaks against. So I didn't go armed. I didn't go ready to witness or to have an answer. But she asked me a very deep question about my opinion and the Holy Spirit helped me. Jesus promised his disciples that he would send the helper. I began to answer not the difficulty of the question, but who Jesus is. I started by saying, well, I start from here. I believe the word of God. I believe it from the beginning to the end. Anything that's contrary to the word of God is sin. Amen. It's outside of his will. And I make a choice in my life to live inside the will of God. It got her going. We had an, a beautiful, deep conversation. There was no animosity, no arguing about what the Bible shouldn't say, this or that. She just accepted that my starting point was this. And if I wanted to be in the will of God then I needed to obey his word. The Holy Spirit helped. So when Jesus promises his disciples that because he has overcome the world, they belong to a new kingdom, there was the aspect of the kingdom of God coming out of me into the world. 
I love how the Amplified expresses or ex- expands this meaning, deprived of its power to harm you and conquered it to the world. The disciples would understand from Jesus that they now reside in a kingdom that has already conquered the powers of darkness. It's not going to, it has conquered the powers of darkness. And the disciples would understand that they could take advantage of the power of God in all situations. When Scott was praying, he prayed, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. How do we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? Only by the prompting of the Holy Spirit and by knowing the word of God. We have a choice in the world. Go the narrow way, and I'll speak a little bit about the narrow road later on. Or go the way of the big wide world. And we can choose. Our choice isn't taken away from us. But these disciples were beginning to know and understand that they belonged to a kingdom that didn't look like the world, act like the world, and was no longer subject to the power of the world. So let's go on to free fall here. We've seen the negative side of falling. You can fall away from something, like the disciples, he didn't want them to fall away from what they believed. You can fall down, like trip or be unsteady, Lots of elderly people, I'm learning, they fall often because they've become unsteady in their older years. So you can fall away, you can fall down, you can fall out, like fall out of a window or out of a tree or something. You can fall off like a ladder and you can fall into trouble. Yet I'm saying free fall into. In general, it doesn't seem to be a good word, fall fall and you are damaged fall and something negative happens now the meaning of free fall in the dictionary that i looked up means a rapid downward movement under the force of gravity so if you think about somebody who dares to jump out of a parachute anybody in here ever done a parachute jump one two wow Brave people, another one up there, three. Or bungee jumpers. Anybody in here have done bungee jumping? Wow, you are brave people. And skydivers. I'm not 100% sure what... Do skydivers have, um, like, an engine or something? But skydiving, again, uh, I think many, many years ago, if you ever get a copy of our older magazines, you would see our senior minister, Colin Dye, skydiving. Ah, but it means it's rapid. And, and oftentimes, if you're doing something like that, there's this feeling of loss of control. I'm not in control. I've let go of all control as you're falling, falling by force. Uh, when I was young, I did want to um, jump out of a parachute. Um, I was investigating it, but I never got round to it. I'd be petrified now to even try it. Because I wouldn't trust that the parachute would open and that I wouldn't plunge to the ground. So there's something about trust in there, isn't there? Falling in this way is a scary thing. Let me ask you, do you trust God? In those difficult times? How about trusting God enough with our lives, with who we are? What is it that we still hold on to? What is it we won't freely 
let go of and give to God? What is it that we won't throw caution to, if you like? When Jesus prayed in the 20th verse of John chapter 17, so again, this is beautiful prayer. You should really read that chapter and hear how he prays for the saints. He wasn't only praying for the disciples that had walked with him on earth, but he was also praying for all in the future. Verse 20 of, of John 17, it says, I do not ask for these only, these my disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. Amen. That's us. He's pray he was praying then, before he went to the cross, for us who would believe. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So everything that Jesus was teaching his disciples and the promises he was giving them in chapter 16 are definitely also for us. He prayed for us. That we would understand that he has already deprived the world from its power to harm us. Yeah, How much do we trust in God, in light of all that is taking place around us in this fallen world, in light of what's happening in our own life circumstances. We spend time worrying. We should, at that point, jump out of the aeroplane with worry and free fall so that we get caught by God. Are we ready to free fall into his arms in every situation? In other words, walk in a place of trust no matter what it looks like. I remember I was going through something earlier this year and um, I heard a word just very delicately to speak to a specific person about it. And when I did, I, I, had, I received prayer, I received ministry, I received help. What is it that would help us to hear the Holy Spirit that's been given us and guide us into what to do in every situation? Or do we just ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit and try to do it our own way? Again, in Scott's powerful opening prayer today, he talked about the fact that we take things into our own hands instead of giving them into the hands of the Lord and trusting him. So, falling into God's arms... I was thinking about arms. Nothing is more beautiful than when I see a new baby, a newborn baby in the arms of, of his father. Arms symbolize a place of strength and safety. And don't you love it when somebody puts a reassuring arm around you in a difficult moment? This past year and nearly two years now, we, we lost out on so much with the COVID business and people suffered mentally and emotionally at the separation from loved ones. At the separation of being able to give a hug, it affected the world. Isolation crept in where it didn't belong. And I speak now to those who suffer isolation. Understand it is under your feet, under the power of Jesus Christ and it has no right in your life. But arms 
bring safety and strength. And God's arms are safe and God's arms are strong. I ask again, do we trust him enough to free fall into those arms and trust him to catch us? I was thinking how precious in a desert land is water. And you might find areas where big containers are left near, um, you know, a garage or, or a part of a house. So that when it does rain, the precious drops as they fall are collected, they're caught. That's how I see God's eyes on us. Every one of us is so precious that as we fall, he wants to catch us safely in his arms. Catch means to intercept and to hold something which has been thrown, propelled or dropped. So I think again of the parachute jumper. The adrenaline is racing and out they jump from the aircraft. There's no way I can do it. And they begin to plunge quickly, out of control, out of control. Life feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? Out of control. Like a wheel that you've got onto and you don't know, how do I get off this wheel? Out of control. But when the parachute opens, wow, it breaks that fall. Suddenly the rapidity has stopped and there's this feeling of safety. And that's what it's like in the arms of God. As we fall, boom, I've got you, I've got you. But those that do um, these, what I call dramatic sports, they, there's a deliberateness about them. They want to fall, they want that adrenaline rush. So they purposefully fall free. They trust the apparatus, they trust the equipment that they're using to bring them to safety. I was thinking about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and they were in Daniel chapter 3 they had told King Nebuchadnezzar that he could thrust them into the fiery furnace but that their God was able to deliver them they decided that natural forces were not more powerful than the kingdom of God. And even if God decided not to deliver them, they were gonna go into the fire anyway because they were not going to compromise their faith. As we know, they were not burned and they were not alone in the fire. For God had deprived the fire of its power to harm them. And they were delivered. Look again in the book of Micah. In chapter 7 and verse 8, he says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light to me. And when he says those words, when I fall, I shall arise, I have a picture of, 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 of him falling, but God scooping him up in his arms. And that's how he rises. Because he rises with the strength, the safety, the power of God him when I sit in darkness the Lord shall be a light to me in other words when things come against me Micah was saying and they're dark 
When the world comes against me, the Lord shall be a light to me, catching me, rescuing me. We're in the world, just like the early disciples. We experience what takes place in the world. We're touched by it too. Sometimes we become unwell. We suffer loss of finances. We experience breakdown of relationships. Some of us pass into glory. But the kingdom that we're now part of is everlasting. It's eternal. So even if we do leave this world, we've not been harmed. We've just simply continued into eternal life. We don't lose. We don't lose. Those who are believers, we don't lose. The power of the world cannot harm us anymore. For me, it's important to think that the Lord has deprived the world of its power to harm and and conquer. uh, Because we do go through things, but we do live in a different realm. And it's about getting hold of and understanding that kingdom realm and living in it. In the midst of it all, we should remember we are safe in the arms and he is carrying us through. I think about Stephen in the book of Acts when he was about to be stoned. He wasn't cowering. He wasn't begging for mercy. His eyes were fixed on Jesus Christ. Only the glory of God he saw. So he could be in the world, he could be suffering, he could be being harmed by mankind, yet he was already looking at glory. Looking at glory. Is that how we tackle what we're facing in the earth today in the world? We should all be purposefully let go of our circumstances, of our difficulties, and we should free fall them into the arms of Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit as our helper. We serve the one of whom it is quoted in Luke 10, 18. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And in verse 19, he gives his disciples and us authority to trample on the power of the enemy. The one who saw the enemy fall from the heavens like lightning knows he's already a defeated foe. Lost his power to harm us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve the one who saw his downfall, who derailed his power at the cross, who sits at the right hand of the Father, forever making intercession for us. We're not alone. That's why we can free fall into the arms of God because we're equipped with the Holy Spirit to rescue and we know that Jesus is forever making intercession at the right hand of the Father, saying, remember her. I died for her. Remember him. I died for him. Hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So take courage to free fall into God's arms. He will always catch you. There's an old song that says, be magnified, O Lord, you are highly exalted. And there is nothing you can't do. O Lord, our eyes are on you, fixed on you. Be magnified, O Lord, be magnified. There's nothing you can't do. We fix our eyes on you. No matter what's going on in the world around us, we free fall into your arms because you always catch us, hold us.
So what about those of you who are still on the fence? You're watching their, out, uh, watching their online this evening. Welcome. Perhaps you're here in the sanctuary. And you've been thinking about it for a long time. You tune in to KT perhaps and you still haven't made that commitment to Jesus Christ. Why don't you take the plunge? Why don't you free fall that fear into his arms and begin to trust and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the only one who can rescue us and set us free. The big wide world is not all it is cut out to be. We're in difficult times everywhere we look. And Christianity, as I was saying earlier, is often depicted as a narrow road, looking like it is limiting our freedom. But on the contrary, as I said earlier on, eternal life is forever and ever. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ, take the plunge tonight. Take the plunge and free fall your life and your future into God's arms. He will catch you.